Would you? Why don't you? Um, you know, I, I, I'm once again kind of faced with the question of uh, what's the most helpful way to be helpful. So let me just start by saying, uh, repeating step three, which is we turned our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. And uh, I have said this many times now, but I will say it again, which is that the only word I reject from this step is the word Him. Uh, I don't really have a problem with the word God, and, and I think it's it's a quite uh, reasonable word uh, if we're willing to be open-minded about what it might mean. You know, our... our uh, you know, certainly our culture, there's mainstream culture has certain definitions of the word God, but, um, you know, language is uh, very uh, changeable and evolves. And, and the word God has evolved and has had many different meanings. Wes Nisker has a great rap about that, about how, like, Zeus used to be, like, the main guy. Nobody believes in Zeus anymore, you know. Um, or maybe some people here do. I don't know, but uh, you know the, that. Uh, and and in fact, in the Buddhist suttas, there are many gods who appear. And um, so uh, the question isn't, you know, do I, you believe in God? Is there a God? But what's the what's this function of this step? And how does this word God or this concept of God fit into that? And and I think and that's what I'm interested in. I'm not particularly interested in theology. Um, so you know the, what what God seems to be here is uh, representing some aspect of existence that that can serve us, that can help us. Uh, that we can, some energy or force that we can draw upon, uh, even just a tool that we can draw upon to use in our recovery, in our lives. So in the steps as we turned our will and our lives over, there are two things that it's talking about turning over. Our will, which is in Buddhist terms our intention, one of the aspects of the Eightfold Path, right intention, so we're trying to align our will or our intention, our motivation, with the will of whatever we're going to conceptualize as God. And then we, we turn our will over, and then we turn our lives over, which is the, act, the actions that we take based on that will or on that intention. So it's kind of trying to align ourselves, both our intention and our actions, with God. So... Um, if we you know, get this out of any kind of mystical or supernatural view, what is it that we want to live in harmony with? What we want to align our will and our lives with? Well, in Buddhist terms, what we would say is we want to align ourselves with the law of karma. Because the law of karma determines how our lives play out based on our intentions and our actions. So, 
the law of karma simply says that you know actions bring results right you do something there will be a result of it now, we can all kind of accept that basic concept there's nothing mystical about that you know the word karma uh, came to be understood as meaning fate and that's really a, a misinterpretation that just came because of the kind of hippies did it to us once again you know i mean it it is kind of the way karma is presented in in hinduism as well as in buddhism at times but really the word literally means action and the law of karma just is that actions bring results so if we bring the law of karma back to that simple meaning then we can start to see how to work with this so fundamentally what the buddha was teaching was how to live in harmony with the law of karma the eightfold path is a way to align yourself with the law of karma now in the middle of that in the and, and what really is a starting point with for karma is the our actions how we live so the five precepts are kind of the the groundwork the foundation of developing good karma you know karma that will be aligned with the law of karma in a in a positive way so that's something that the 12 steps are all about is about following the precepts the fifth precept is to not use intoxicants and it turns out that when i break that one i tend to break the other four yeah i tended to follow the other four i tended to follow all the precepts more if i wasn't intoxicated but intoxicated you know i would get i don't recall killing anybody but i i was violent when i was intoxicated um i you know possessions became you know kind of belong to anybody who could get them uh especially if they were your drugs um you know speech forget about it and and uh sexual behavior I mean, so um a lot of people in the buddhist world try to fudge the fifth precept and say it's okay to have a glass of wine with dinner uh it's okay for you not for me the buddha didn't, didn't say anything about having a glass of wine with dinner he said don't use intoxicants that's what the precept is anyway i don't want to rain on anybody's parade or spill their wine <laughs> spill a little wine and see what happens you know what the next line is that song yeah break the other precept so anyway uh, it's take that girl that's the next line yeah i believe that's i believe that's the line you know it's a little hard mondegreens or something when you don't know what you get the words wrong i might need a cough drop at some point if anybody has one uh because i'm getting so worked up here um whew. so we start with this foundation of uh skillful actions living in harmony with other people and and then the work goes more towards inner work oh thank you look at this guy That's why he makes the big bucks. You're going to get a really good tip tonight. Hit down on the ball. That's the tip I'm going to give you. Uh 
So, um, so, so there are three aspects of the Eightfold Path that have to do with lifestyle or the way we live. and The precepts to not kill, not to steal, not to harm with our sexuality, not to harm with speech, and not to use intoxicants. And then there's uh, right speech, which is already kind of in the precepts, so obviously the Buddha really believes in that. Um, and I have a whole um, piece on uh, right speech in, in Step 5 uh, in the workbook. and uh, So that's something you might look at this week if you want. Um, and then right livelihood. So this is just you know how we live. So th- that's the foundation of you know of creating uh, skillful karma. And then there's right intention, right view, trying to again align ourselves with the with the Dharma. And then uh, you know right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. This is the inner work. Cultivating skillful mind states, letting go of unskillful mind states. So karma is created both internally and externally. Right? As we were talking about before, a thought creates a karmic effect. When you speak, there's a karmic effect. When you act, there's a karmic effect. So this path is about um, is cultivating all those aspects. Uh, and so we can think of each of these aspects of the Eightfold Path as powers. Each of them has power because of their innate karmic effect. If you break precepts, that has a powerfully negative effect. So it's not... I, I don't even... I'm not even sure that the term higher power is that accurate in a sense. I, I think of it just as there are powers. So it's not like, oh, God is good and then there's something else. To me, it's there are powers and it depends on our relationship with them, our way of interacting with them or manifesting them, whether they have more of a higher or lower uh, effect. Don't I, that's not something I've thought about a lot, but and maybe it's it's not particularly important. Except, well, uh, I, I do think there's a neutrality. I guess my point is that the, that these things, the law of karma, is a neutral power in the sense that it it it's not good or bad. It's not telling you anything. It's just it it doesn't care. You know, it doesn't have an, a, an emotional investment in you. Like the God of the Old Testament who would get angry. Right, or or a, God that, a God is love, you know. Well, love is God, I will say that. In the sense that love is a power. And hate is a power. All right, I'm, see, I could just, we could just go here and never get anywhere else. So. You know, and this is an argument, I guess I have to say, it's kind of a, a thesis and an argument that it's what my second book, Burning Desire, is all about, that I've been making for a few years now. <laughs> and, and I guess part of me 
wants the Buddhist world to stand up and go, thank you, that's really great, you know, that's brilliant, and uh, we never thought of it that way. And that, that reconciles our whole issue about God, and now we can just let it go. So far that hasn't happened. Uh, there's still, because for me, this view actually allows the whole argument about God and, you know, atheism versus, you know, theism to just fall away. You know, Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu, who was really a great inspiration for me in this thinking, who coined the phrase Dharma God, says that theism and non-theism are really not even relevant terms. He doesn't even accept them. He says that any, every spiritual tradition contains the Dharma. That in some traditions that uh, is kind of covered over with mythology and ritual, but that underneath it, it's, it's the same core concepts, the same truths. And, and so there's no real argument. Um, and, that, and that's, you know, because I, th- I think that a lot of the argument against God is against a particular concept of God that's put forth as the definition of the word God. And that that's just not uh, a credible definition. And again, I refer you to Karen Armstrong, uh, who says that uh, the, the, the idea of God is one of the most durable uh, human concepts that's survived across millennia uh, and th- through different cultures and completely different understandings because it you know, resonates on some level for people. And yeah, I mean, maybe originally it was resonated because it was an answer to the mysteries of the universe. But, uh, you know, today we don't, there aren't so many mysteries. There are still some, thankfully. But, uh, but I don't think that we go to this idea of God so much anymore as an answer to things we don't understand. But what I think is useful about it is, is seeing this that my will and my tendency is to do things for me and to go after what I want. So my kind of uh, un, unreflective, uh, un, uh, if I don't pay attention, I fall into greed, hatred and delusion, or, you know, getting, trying to get what I want and not caring about anybody else. And when I understand that the law of karma is saying, that's going to hurt me, <laughs> then I see that if I, if I make a shift, an intentional shift to ask in any moment, what would be the wise thing to do in this situation. In other words, if I pay attention. In other words, if I 
commit myself to being mindful, or in other terms, turn my will and my life over to the care of mindfulness, then I can start to live in harmony with the law of karma and start to get more of what I want. So I see that being present and being mindful has a powerful effect on my life. Being unmindful and not being present also has a powerful effect, just a negative one. So the starting point always, I think, and the, and the overarching theme is to be present and to be mindful. And that allows me then to remember the Dharma, to remember what the, the law of karma says, to say what, what's going on in this situation and what, what am I basing my choice on? Because this is about choices, right? Turn, you know, turning your will and your life over to the care of God means that you are trying to make choices that these powers are going to resonate with. Another way to look at this in, in Buddhist terms, uh, we say um, we take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So when we take refuge in the Buddha, that word Buddha means uh, awake. So essentially it means, again, I make a commitment to be present, to be awake for my life. When I take refuge in the Dharma, I am making a commitment to try to live in harmony with the Dharma. And the way I like to phrase this is that I try to look at all experience through the lens of truth rather than through the lens of Kevin. And then I take refuge in the Sangha. That's the community that helps to keep me on track, that reminds me when I'm off. And that's whoever in my life uh, I can trust in that regard, whether it's a teacher or a sponsor or a friend or a partner. it's, and it's all the places that I get support and help. And it's also all the places where that I can support and where I can be of service and be of help. Because without that, we don't have much. So again, taking refuge is really uh, a, um, just a complete parallel to the idea of step three turning your will and your life over. It's again saying that there is some more wise and skillful way to orient myself, to orient my life, than around my selfish needs or desires. So... um, now, I was going to do an exercise tonight, um, let you guys talk to each other instead of listening to me all night. Um, and um, I'm see- seeing that the one that I have written down, I'm, I feel like I already talked about it and I'm not giving you much of a chance to do something so. 
Let's look and see what's in step three here. Um, maybe there's something good. I was thinking about, did we do the commitment to values last week? Anybody remember? You don't? We talked about commitment to recovery. Commitment to recovery, yeah. Um, well, oh, this is a good one. So the other side of commitment, the reverse of commitment is holding back. So how about talking with a partner? This is on page 91. It says, how do you hold back from fully committing to your Buddhist practice? How do you hold back from fully committing to your recovery? And then the third one is make a vow to counter these forms of resistance. 91. So well, I'll find, out, find someone to share with on this for a few minutes, and then, uh, and, uh, then we'll talk some more. So if you don't have the book on you, how do you hold back from fully committing? And I won't say to your Buddhist practice, but let's say to your spiritual or meditation practice. And if you're feeling alone somewhere, you're not. Just come in. Come, come. Or if you don't want to participate... Remember, you're not getting get the benefit. And I mean, you're wearing a cow sweatshirt, so you got to be all right. Who, who needs a partner? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.